Hey everyone, it's Sarah Mason from the HMC. Uh, this is a new show we're doing called Conversations With. And I'm sitting here with screenwriter Warren Lewis, who has many credits, including 13th Warrior, Black Rain. He's worked for all the major studios, Sony, Warner Brothers, Fox. And he is a genuinely cool dude. <laughs> I finally made it. <laughs> Hello there, Hello. Mr. Lewis. Hello. How do you do? I do well. How do you do? I'm doing okay. I'm just nice to be pronounced a cool dude after all these years of. You are. You're one of the coolest dudes I know. Actually, it's too much, ladies and gentlemen. Tell us about how you became a screenwriter because well, I don't know that origin story. Actually, um, it doesn't involve being born on another planet. I, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I just I'm, I'm, I'm I not, speak in superhero talk. Unless you count Brooklyn, which is uh, well. Here's the thing. I mean. Um, Every generation has got an entree into the motion picture industry, mm-hmm. and everyone's different. Screenwriting comes and goes. In my generation, we we hit boom right at the high point of the screenwriter as an artist. Mm-hmm. Be, nobody cared, you know that. And this is baby boomer yeah, generation. I, well, that particular part of the baby boom, the, the people before us wanted to be directors, and that their entree was some of them were writers, some of them were editors, some of them were cinematographers. But I always wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I always, always like ever yeah, since we were I mean, a kid. Yeah, I, I always wanted. To, I knew I would be doing this, or I would try anyway. And to New Yorkers of a certain generation, mm-hmm. the phrase. If you missed any part of our feature and wish to see it again, the next showing will follow immediately. It's ingrained <laughs> in our brains because it was a TV channel that had no programming. I mean, zero programming. Uh-huh. So they showed the Million Dollar Movie three times a week for a week. So there was a handful of movies. I watched them three times a day for a week uh-huh. sometimes because of my weird – I had a weird education. So um, – and there's movies I know by heart. So I – what I – I've always been a movie person. Uh-huh. Yeah, your knowledge is incredible, just I, well, of film history and the industry in general. Sarah, it's magic or it isn't. You know, mm-hmm. it, there's people to whom this stuff is just magic. Yeah. And then there's everybody else. So you um, you always you got the bug. You got the bug. So you're in Brooklyn. I I went to you know I went to a New York City public high school, which saved my life, and then I went. To a state university to study to study film. Much to my surprise, I discovered that it was they were teaching cinema, not film, which is disturbing. Uh. Which is independent cinema. Which is, thank heavens, I was there. Looking back on it, uh, what do you mean that they were teaching cinema they were instead teaching, of film? They were teaching um, what was cinema studies at the time. It's changed since. Which is uh, personal expressive. Impressionist experimental cinema. And we're talking about oh. the generation of like Larry Gottheim and Michael Snow and those guys. Okay. So it was more about the art and the texture of film than it was about storytelling. There was no particular affection for storytelling. Having said that, uh-huh. they hired some very important, one or two very important storytellers to teach there, incidentally. Um, so I went there. I was working in another branch of the media. I've always worked in the media, mm-hmm. always. Um, so I was working in the radio. And I love radio. I'm telling you, it it's, is. If it wasn't for Gene Shepard, well, I don't know. I, I was literally the words yeah. out of my mouth were about to be Gene Shepard because I met him randomly when I was 14 years no old, kidding. and he changed my life. And literally meeting him wow. was the reason why I wanted to become a writer and do what I've done, etc. So uh, yeah, he's uh, one of the he, shockingly important guy. It's another thing, you know, if you're a kid. And you wrote about kids a lot, like in, in the yeah. in, uh, Christmas Story. Oh, or the, the In golden, God We Trust. The Golden Night of Wanda Hickey, was that? 
Golda, Wanda Hickey's Golden. You, yeah, 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 yeah. So he was on the radio every night. Yeah. On WOR. The legend is, and it's partially, you know, we print the legend, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> as, as they say in the movie. He would turn the radio on, the microphone on, and talk for three hours, and it was the middle of the night. There was no such thing as talk radio particularly. Mm-hmm. And he was telling stories and reacting. And all the Gene Shepard fans that I knew mm. did not admit that they were Gene Shepard fans. It was, Why? Like a, it was a strange, it was like a secret club. Really? And it, it was the nighttime and it was, it was, uh, it was just our little place. And huh. years later, sometimes, sometimes months later, we'd say, did you listen to Gene Shepard? Like, <laughs> it was like coming out, you know, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, Gene Shepard. And he, he did amazing things. There's one when I tell people about this now, especially my students, they don't, you know, don't storytelling, know who he is, yeah. well, of course not, but you know, I understand that. But storytelling radio is, is not the most common thing in the world. And we, there's a lot of it going on in New York at the time. There's a lot of it going on in podcasting now. That's where it, <laughs> that's and, where it is. That's where it is. Um, Shepard did one thing that I think people should really listen to. It's available. He, it's an account of going to, Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. Yeah, I know and, it, yeah. And not the speech, particularly. No, his, yeah. Just g- getting there and coming home. Yeah. And it is, you know, uh, what can I say? It's a, it's a work of genius. Now, if he did that imp- improvisationally, I'll eat my hat. But, yeah, uh, maybe. But, uh, well, I don't, have, I don't have, I have a hat with me, so <laughs> it could work out. So anyway, that was school, and... Um, I knocked around the business for a while. I wound up at NYU uh, where I studied film. Mostly my interest at the time was uh, large format photography, which I still do secretly. That's my secret, oh, Sarah. Oh, I didn't know that secret oh, well, I'm not about very you. good at it. You know, I'm not, I'm not like, you know. But you well, love it. Uh, yeah, it's just something that you do because I'm the last person who uses film on the planet Earth. Mm. So, um, and I started working around the business. First in the record, I got a job in the record business of all things. Really? Uh, yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's forgotten. Back then, you know, the college jo- job board said we needed an assistant at Warner Electro Atlantic Records. And I went and got the job. It was wow. ridiculous. I worked there because uh, my background in radio helped. What was my job? Running around the tri-state area putting up posters. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and it was weird because looking back on it, it's like somebody else's life. I was in a room with people that mm-hmm. I wish I, I wish I'd known who they are. Who are they now? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, um, Jerry Wexler. Oh, wow. uh, Erdogan, um, the, the Some people that had been in show business. I'm not kidding. Literally been in show business in Fordville. Wow. Which is a great love of mine. And you, occasionally, if you, sh- if you shut up and listen to those people, you can learn something. Yeah. I was a kid. Anywho, so I did that. And um, then I wanted to be in the movie business. Went back to school. Finished NYU. Started working in production in New York. Did a lot of production and on th- films, on films, uh, commercials. I know if you look at my my Facebook page, I just found a commercial. Or your IMDb I, page, or uh, yeah, I've, I worked on. I found a commercial. I was the assistant editor on nineteen seventy three. It was selling a a beer product uh-huh. that is like the worst beer product in the world. But I did Schlicks. Like, well, you know how on, on some bottles it says in case of poisoning induced vomiting. Yeah, yeah. This is the stuff you use <laughs> okay. to induce vomiting. So, and there was that. So that I have that to look going for me. So, and I, I did that for years. Uh, worked on commercials all over New York. Eventually, started working on low budget movies here in California. One of the guys got me a gig on a what has become a uh, yeah. Why did you film. move out here? Initially, it was because I got this quick job mm. on uh, a really bad low budget movie which has become a cult film of course and it's not bad really uh-huh. 
and I just said, okay, let's let's do it. What she, bad it was called movie. it was called Evil Speak. Starred Clint Howard. Uh, Clint Howard, yeah. yeah he's, a cool, he's a cool dude. And, <laughs> he's a fan favorite. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not surprised. And it, it, I did every. That was one of those things that you sit back and say, "How did I survive this?" Because I have bone chips on my leg from it. It's ridiculous. Wow. Every, everybody got hurt on that movie. Oh, uh, I see. What you mean. Um, yeah, and also I was a production guy, a production assistant. You're doing uh, everything. So I was fueling the generator, and I got the job because I worked as an assistant and apprentice editor, film editor, which is completely an antique skill. Yeah. Uh, but I, so I knew how to run an interlock projector. Oh, st- wow. Not something anyone's called upon. Uh, called oh, yeah, that's well, true. No, that's not going to happen unless a zombie apocalypse breaks out and we go back to film. And yeah. Well, I, get, I mean, uh, when I was in film school, we learned on 16 and 8 millimeters. Yeah. Well, I was sinking. And we were splicing yeah. and sinking. Yeah. I was sinking dailies, and uh, what I was really bad at, I, I think. Anyway, so I got that. I knew how to run an interlock. So that mm-hmm. means I could work all day and then run the interlock projector in the screening room at night. So basically, I didn't sleep for like um, Know, yeah, but you learned like it sounds like you learned literally everything in the well. This is process. A, writers don't usually have that background. Yeah, no, they, they usually have a background that helps. So not, but uh, I'm not sure how much that helps. But I guess it does. It helps for two reasons. First of all, you understand what everybody does. Mm-hmm. That's that's important. Which is important because this is the business that we are in, and it's important to know what yeah. people do. And the other thing is, there's a magic about it. That mm. I keep coming back to that. This, we all know what's practical and what's impossible. Mm-hmm. So our job is to make the impossible practical. That's what we do, yeah, That's what we yeah. do on movie sets. It's a little bit different now than it used to be, but either it's magic for you, I said, or it isn't. And mm. if you're not touched by the, being on a soundstage at 3 o'clock in the morning, no matter what crap it is you're shooting. Right. If you're on the set, I when it happened all the time that I was on the, I knew that I was on the same soundstage, for example, where they shot the taxi scene from Rebel Without, a, not from uh, On the Waterfront. Oh, wow. I, I just knew I was in the same room. That set That's was the magic, yeah. Yeah, and it, who cares? I mean, it's just yeah, a room. Yeah. But if you're not touched by that, if you're not tingled by that, you yeah. really should do something else. Yeah, I, I remember David Mamet coming to one of our classes, mm. and I knew him because he was a member at the spa I worked <laughs> at, the gym I was working at. And he said to everybody, if there's anything stopping you from going into this business, let it. He's absolutely right. And I'll never forget that because it's it was so profound. You know, it was like, yes, that's true because there's so many people want to do it. Mm. Well, so clearly nothing stopped you. I never said I was smart. You said I was cool. And I, was smart. <laughs> now, I, I tell my students now on day one, I tell them two things. And I'll save the second thing for me for later because uh, you should ask me what the second thing is because really, uh, that really is cool. I tell them if it, most of them, look, they're good kids. A lot of them don't, ironically, despite the fact that there's all this access to screens and all this mm-hmm. access to media, a lot of them don't have the background in movies. They just don't. don't knowledge or haven't seen these N- Knowledge, films? exposure, they just haven't, okay. they haven't had it. And I, I blame us and I blame me and my job is to fix it. Even if I'm teaching a class in, it happened yesterday, I'm teaching a class in screenplay adaptation, which is kind of my thing. And I cited a movie and I said, you know, one of the, I think it was 46 at one of the Academy Award and said to one of the women in the class, 
you're writing this a story. If you don't watch a scene in this movie, mm. then you're cheating yourself and cheating your education. Class is here by, I did it yesterday. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. Class is canceled. Everyone's homework is put off for a week. I turned the lights off and showed it. Really? Most of it. Most of it. What and film? It was the best years of our lives. Oh, okay. And which is a classic. Someone, yeah, classic. People ask me what's your favorite movie. It's a ridiculous question, but that's What is your favorite movie? Uh, it's a ridiculous question. <laughs> um, it, it, it's like I can't possibly say, but the best years of our lives is a great American film. Okay. It really is. And there's there's a moment in there which totally went to her movie and I couldn't believe that she'd gone this far in school without someone saying you know, watch the great American films. Yeah. And I mean American films, you know. What's the second thing? I tell them and I mean it. I mean it. I usually say it at the first class or at the last. Echoing Mr. Mammoth's, having said what, pretty much what Mr. Mammoth said. Mm-hmm. I, I tell them that if they do this, if they actually do this, commit to this, they are the most important people in the world. Mm. And I mean it. Because... You mean filmmakers, yes, writers, 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 filmmakers? But um, my, it's. I, we'll talk about this sometime, I guess. But screenwriting and literature, are, you know, far different things, of course. But here's the thing: presidents come and go, state states come and go, mm. people come. But with a collective memory and imagination mm. of a culture, long after whatever the news of the day is yeah. today, mm. whatever it may be, people are going to be saying. Do you remember that moment in Charlie Chaplin and the Kid? Yeah. Do you, yeah. You know, it, it shapes our culture. And, to, and it's a responsibility and it's a great pleasure. I, I like to lean on the pleasure part personally. To create this massive collective memory mm-hmm. that, and it may sound, it's, it, it is pompous, that our, that our entire culture shares no matter where you're from. Right. Yes, American students share La Talente and they share... Marcel Ophels, but the world also shares John Ford, and also, yeah. and that's a really important thing when you think about it, especially now. Right now, more than ever, because we're not writing for America anymore. Just on true, a, just yeah, on, just, it's glo- yeah, globalization has changed that. Yeah, well, just on a business level, which that's just not our market. Yeah, and, that, and the market's important. Well, we're not only writing for people in other countries. We're writing for people that haven't been born yet. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's not any version of immortality. But, but no, you're right. Well, I've I've never really heard it put that way. I mean, I'd love to take your class. They, tell me something about the students in terms of, in addition to the fact that many of them don't or haven't seen the best of years, best years of your yeah. life, or or a lot of classic films. Yeah. What do you think's different about your students today versus you? Well, we were we were complete movie dweebs. Uh, is that just yeah. your little corner of the uh, world you, that you grew uh, up in, or do you think uh, your generation? Well, first of all, Brooklyn, I don't know why Brooklyn gives the world so many show business people. Yeah, and but that, it so, does. That's yeah. a good reason to get the hell out of Brooklyn. I guess. <laughs> and I keep trying to go back. So um, the people I went to school with, both okay. in Binghamton, whatever, and also in Columbia, which is a different experience entirely, they were dweebs. I mean, they, they absolutely... 
they, you, you, I don't want to sound like one of those old guys say we had it hard back yeah. then because we had it hard because we had to go to the movies seriously yeah. <laughs> really uh, because if you if you wanted to learn these films you had to go to revival theaters you had to go sit there and watch the movies so it's a, it's almost like a laziness of technology today because it, you had to go out and you had to seek this stuff out and is that what you mean or? Lawrence and Lee says saying. Uh, Inherit the wind. The, you know, the faster we are conveyed, the less time we have, and it's mm. absolutely true that at the moment you and I could sit here, if we're, especially if we're willing to do some copyright infringement. Yeah. We could pretty much see any, any movie available, pretty much if we wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet the frame of reference that I see in people, with very rare exceptions, is very very narrow. It's it's very well. Narrow. People tend to, well, for one thing, go with what's familiar and go to the same things over and over again, too. That's why with Netflix and Amazon, they have to do so much new content because people, there's so many choices. Nobody knows what to watch in terms of movies. And we have an enemy. I mean, our, our greatest enemy is is that little device you have in your hand. Yeah, yeah. That fast forwards through things. And That's true. It's also an enemy. It's also a great boon. It has led to a sea change in our business that's, I think... Maybe history will bear me out, maybe not. That's as big as the development of sound in motion pictures. The smartphone? Uh, the, or I was talking... The, the you're rem- literally talking the, about the remote? The, the remote, the oh. smartphone, and therefore the entire the content delivery re- required by this technology. Okay. Or, or that's symbiotic with it, you know? Yeah. It's, so suddenly content is being delivered in ways people cannot imagine. That's true, yeah. So it's... I'm not in them particularly in the movie business anymore, and I tell my students that if you're ready in the if you think you're in the movie business, you're kidding yourselves. You're in, a, in the content business. You're in a, in a tremendous content delivery business. A lot yeah. of people in academia don't want to hear that, but well, not my branch of academia, but in other branches of academia. No, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I, even when I was in film school in the early '90s, mm. uh, I was working my way through school in a video store. Cool. Wow. When there, I mean, and I'll tell you, talk about education. I feel like I got almost more education out of that experience, but it was videos. It was an and DVDs event, you know, also, but that was, we had the, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of in terms of the content delivery back then, we had to physically go to the video store because you couldn't just find all these things you want to watch. You couldn't watch again. I remember when I saw Back to the Future, I loved it so much, I went and saw it five nights in a row hmm. because I couldn't just watch it on my TV or my phone. Like, you knew if a movie came out, it wasn't going to come out again for a long... You know what I mean? That, to me, was a big change that I've witnessed that all of a sudden you can watch things so many times over... The accessibility to it really changed interest in seeing things it's, it's true in, in, in our my relatively short lifespan and so forth and it is ongoing one hopes yeah uh, we i've gone from movies on television to the the road show was still around you know when, when someone took a print of a motion picture and and it was an event to go from town to town it was no still, oh yeah the road show was still happening so like the ten commandments be, would be released or re-released or whatever uh-huh. and it would play at like the Ziegfeld Theater in Manhattan. Right. So the roadshow was there'd be a poster, it'd be an advertising thing, and it'd be, it would be like five or six theaters around the country would be showing it. So you had to get there, you had to buy tickets, you had to go early, and it was yeah. a big event. I went from we went from that to movie theaters being cut up to yeah well you know things change you know, well you, I, I that's why i love things like the aero theater we have here in santa monica we're very fortunate can, yeah we're very fortunate to have we're fortunate to have that and and yet 
you know, when and I, a movie of mine showed there, and I went, you know, to to see it in a seventy millimeter print, probably the last seventy millimeter print made in captivity, uh-huh. I guess. And it, it, it was interesting to work on something. And it's not the first time it's happened to me that had an antique quality about it. The era, even the era, the event, the feel of the place. Okay. Uh, just the scene of the, the scene. How, when of, was this? A couple of years ago. What? Which it was film? Black Rain. You know, we, oh, okay. we all wanted to see it. The whole team, uh, most of us. Um, oh, I wish I was well, there. Well, you know, it was, it was, it, 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 it was bittersweet, but it was because uh, we lost a couple of people since. But uh, oh. but um, uh, the, the theater experience, you know, it, it does have that kind of nostalgic thing about it, and I wish it didn't for people. Yeah, it does, uh, though. It, you know, it, it really does. So uh, what so. do you tell your students? Because, I mean, one would listen to this thinking we're being extremely negative and cynical no, no. in a way, but... I, I mean, obviously, you still have a passion and a love for movies. So what do you tell them today to get them to be as excited in the way that you are? The good news is it's still discovery. Hmm. The good news is it's still there. And the good news is if you haven't seen it yet, you're about to. You know, okay. it's like, look, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like having a lifetime. Of, I don't want to hit any brand am I allowed to hit a brand a brand of something yeah go ahead okay it's a you know how I am about this kind of thing <laughs> if, it's like you have a lifetime of Domino's pizza right yeah and then suddenly you find yourself in Rome <laughs> or in, or, yeah or, yeah or, you know and you have this beautiful meal in front of you where this has been all my life okay well that's good news yeah the good news is now you're here you got you got the taste buds now maybe you can so you think that's still coming? The oh, discovery yeah. of what's that's, next that's in my content? Job. Yeah, well, that's my job for my students. And also, we are just on the precipice. We're just at the beginning of this content delivery system, of, of new content delivery. What do you think that means? Like, what um, do you think is going to happen? If you told a studio executive, and I have someone in mind. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. Ten years ago, or five years ago, even, that his or her job would be made obsolete They'd be like, you're crazy. By, yeah. by that cheap entertainment you have at home yeah. being the studio. Like by right. the, the place you get your underwear from online. They're going to be. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true though. They're, they're the studio. They would have looked at you like you were crazy. And you know what? Every generation has had that experience. That's every, true. Every that's single true. generation has had the experience of, I'm going to be antique. Yeah, it, it, we, you know we've we've all had. It. I love silent films. I mean, I really and, and let me tell you something. It's a challenge for a character like me sometimes yeah. to breathe deep, put myself in the place without being too nostalgic for a time I wasn't born, mm-hmm. and look at it. And you look at all the work, and look at all was done, and you realize, especially driving around this town, mm-hmm. there are people in that in on that screen who had to say to themselves, "I am now antique. What do I do?" Yeah. So it's right. Well, the, and there were people in Sunset Vaudeville. Boulevard, you know, okay, well, <laughs> Gloria Swanson's character. You, you betcha. Well, and the uh, the people sitting around the table at her at her uh, bridge game. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Anna Q. Nielsen was there and Buster Keaton and sitting around that table, all of whom had that experience. Right. So I tell my students this to get back to that, if I may, that yeah, don't feel bad because I'm going to mention a movie you've never seen. Mm-hmm. It's not on the final. You know, yeah. You know what's on the final is your work. Do you think they feel bad? Oh yeah. Huh? I okay. Th- I think they. Can That's be- optimistic about millennials. I, you know, I think millennials get a bad rap. You do. 
I, you know, I, I never, to tell you the truth, I never really gave them much thought in one way or another, you know, yeah. until I started doing this. That sounds uh, like a line from Casablanca. Well, it really is true. <laughs> if I, I gave mean, you any like, thought, oh, there's I a probably young person, wouldn't. There's a young person, in case they need an organ transplant, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but now they, they, they have, uh, at least the ones I work with, I can't speak for all of them. I teach at a state university. Mm-hmm. So this is awesome to me. This is the, this is the awesome part. I, people talk about diversity, whatever the hell that even means. Right. Mean, it's, it's a word that's used so much doesn't mean anything anymore. But I look at my class. I think I have the definition of it. Really? Yeah. I got people on my faculty who are my faculty, if I own it. Uh, <laughs> I have people who have advanced degrees and fellowships from Harvard on my faculty. Mm-hmm. And I got people in my class whose parents are amazed that their kids go to university. Mm. So... And they're, of, they're from all over the world. But out in Orange County, we got you know, ethnic communities that even a character from Brooklyn can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. And we got everything. It's like Noah's Ark. We got two of everything. <laughs> so, and it, it's it's kind of amazing to see them get it, to see it ignite in them. Uh huh. That's that's a beautiful thing. The millennials that I meet are people that really want to be there. Yeah. And they really want to do that's the work. Great. And they really. What do they want to do? Like, do they want? Do they want to be filmmakers? Do they? What's? Wh- what are you finding? Their their big interest is, or are they just exploring it? Uh, let's let's be blunt about this. Mm. Let's be frank about this. There's a couple, three kinds of people that study media in college. You know, mm. there's there's scholars. That's the smallest category, right? Um, and then there's people who don't want to be in don't want to be taking histology courses at the science school. Of course. Yeah. So, all right, fine. Cause it's not rocket science or histology. And then there's people that really have, think they have something to say. And of those group that people have something to say, then evolution kicks in. Some mm-hmm. of them, some of the, some of them are going to have the talent. Some of them have the ability and there's no substitute for being lucky. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. if you want to be lucky, there's no substitute for being present. Mm-hmm. Make, you know, so most of them want to be filmmakers. They, they, you know, I'll, unfortunately, and please don't take this the wrong way. I will I, not. Because I know you're a fan. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I think a lot of them have a limited exposure to how stories are told. So it's all like, it's all superhero stuff to them, mm-hmm. which is fine. Yeah, because, I mean, but the, the, here, I, let me say this about the superhero thing, because I, I, you know, I like many genres, but... I also think that that gets a bad rap. I think you're right because I was about, just about to defend it because a gener- two, two generations ago they mm. all would, would have been Western people. That's true. You know, and, yeah. the, and the generation before that they would have been, whatever. There's and no all, one would have believed that the Western would go away either. Well, it really hasn't. Yeah, well, it's the not what it, ha- The yeah. horses have yeah. and the towns have and the genre things about Westerns. Yeah. The guns and the the the, the, genre, the visual genre elements like guys with guns and right. all that, but the ethic and the mm. the, na- the narrative construction of westerns it, those are superhero movies when you get right down yeah. to yeah you know the stranger comes to town to seek justice yeah that's and the, true and he's not as pa- and he's powerful but he's not as powerful as the bad guy uh huh so it, what is Star Wars but Star Wars is a western construction. That's true. I mean, Luke, yeah. Luke Skywalker comes home to find his ranch burned. Really? Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, That's what happened. Yeah. Know, so, and it's it, it, the Western never goes. Well, the Westerns, it, the, the Western genre, I don't want to get into the technical stuff, but it, it, it works everywhere. So at the moment, yeah. it's superheroes. You know why it's superheroes now? Because it's what they've got. That's what they think they've got. 
Mm. You know, so my job. What, meaning the studios or who? my students? It's what they. Th- it's all they think they have. It's, that's what's being delivered to them. You know? Okay. So my job is to broaden their frame of reference a little bit. That's good because it needs broadening. I I, I mean I am a fan of it. Good, but I mean, I'm also a fan of silent films and classic films. And you know, my dad took me to films when I was a little kid, the black and white playhouse and i get it well you see i I don't like unlike a lot of people i don't think the whole superhero thing is a bad thing i just don't who are a lot of people who think it you mean just everyone talking about the ruination uh, of hollywood well well, that's that to use a stupid phrase that ship has left the station yeah you know yeah that's that i mean marvel's a studio dc's a studio that's it that's yeah that's the business that they're in and if you just to segue into the business, and I don't think you can talk about the art without talking about no, the business. No, we should, absolutely, but yeah. if you look at this, and it's available online, you can do it right now if you feel like it. Uh, if you look at this, do a quick comparison of the major studio releases in the last, ten, in the last four years and the next five, because mm-hmm. there's a schedule. You will, find, you will see that the tentpole film is here to stay. Yeah. All right, well, that's what the tentpole film is. Are they a little bit nervous because some tentpoles don't work better than others? Yes. Mm. You know, is, uh, are some of them played or not? I guess. But yeah. that's the business that they're in. There's a lot of reasons for it. There's a lot of reasons why studios have, why the, why the middle budget film is an antique as far as most motion picture studios. Yeah, why uh, is that? There's a lot of reasons. Oh, gosh. Because you know, you, well, everyone talks about that. They say how it's a lot easier to get $200 million or $5 million than it is to get $40 million. Absolutely is. So why is that? It was a confluence of events. Some of them were out of my pay grade. But, <laughs> well, no, some of them are. I mean, it was, the confluence of, of events was there was an economic crash in 2008 that, that kind of obviated a lot of independent yeah. investment. It was just gone poof. Mm. And the studios were not immune from that. Mm. And they also owned no, a lot of pro- businesses. They, they, they owned a lot of underlying property that could be, and I'm, I'm using, not using the word in a negative sense, exploited. Mm-hmm. I say exploited like in the circus yeah. sense yeah, can yeah. be used. Uh, plus people want to see them. Plus that's what supports the studio. And there's just not the distribution means around the world. Mm-hmm. Most, for, most of the $40 million movies are what? Comedy, romantic comedies, which is what we have in a desert. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. In a desert of romantic comedies at the moment. A lot of them don't travel. Well, and they also, I mean, I would argue... Little dramas too. Go, you know, the, uh, because the viewing public feels with a film like that, I don't need to go pay in a theater to see a romantic comedy because it's so expensive to take my family out. I can see that on Netflix in my living room and my big giant TV. They, so, you know, though yeah. that's where I see it from the consumer perspective. They're, they're only going to go to the theater for a animated family film they can see or for something that has to be seen on a big screen that's distribution feeding content yeah and uh, that's and that is the, that is the big element the, it, that that becomes sort of a chicken and eggs yeah a, a, a chicken yeah. egg thing but I, it's it's silly to ignore it you just can't ignore it and think it's going to go away so and, do you uh, think yeah. that film producers today directors you know should be in terms of movies like that be trying to work deals with Netflix instead and but, not doing theatrical releases? I, uh, you know, I've been involved in and my name isn't on them, so I'm not okay. going to... I've been involved in some really... really cause, mostly because friends of mine have asked to help and asked me to help, and I have. And uh, 
on a particular low or medium budget movie that I helped them with, I said, if you, because they were looking for distributors, which is a real racket. Right. I said, if you guys go for a theatrical release, it's a waste of time and money. Yeah. It's expensive. You don't need it. It doesn't get you anything. And I believe that that's true for many, many motion pictures. Mm. There's a very good, solid, um, this is a name I'm not going to name, but there's a big studio in this town, independent studio. Makes a lot of movies. Makes a lot of movies that you like mm-hmm. that we just talked about. Uh, they have a division, or they have a partners in 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 their building and under their aegis that only goes to downloads. Mm. That's all they do, and they do very well, and they get star talent. Do you think? Because I I remember interviewing a couple directors uh, at Comic Con last year who are independent horror directors, and they had put out. They put out this film called Tales from Halloween, Hmm. and they were doing a bunch of series of horror films. And they said the problem for them is that they can't make any money if their distribution model is to go VOD versus theatrical release. And so that, but they're caught in this. And I don't understand that because. Is it just that, that they we haven't caught up to that point where everyone's like, okay, fine, we're all going to just do this as a streaming release and not a theatrical release, and then it levels out where people are making money again there's, doing that? There's a couple of things. One of them is there is the nature of marketing, mm-hmm. which is real, really out of my pay grade. But uh, if, if people don't know what's there, they're not going to watch it. Yeah. And also, the download culture, if you will, Hey, I just got a book title. Hooray. Um, <laughs> that's so not it. But um, has changed the way the record industry works. It's taken. It's, yeah, it's true. Taken oh, it ruined. In, one would know, argue it ruined I the music have, industry. I don't have any argument with that. Uh, especially looking back on my own checkered past in the record industry. Mm-hmm. I could tell you stories, darling. Let me tell you. Um, and, it, and it's changed our business, too, because the, the notion is put it out there and someone will find it. Mm-hmm. The argument against that is Amazon. The argument again. Yeah, but I get Amazon it. Studios, like, how are they all going to make money? You know, are, Amazon Studios. I mean, how are the independent seems, folks going to make the money? The way they always have, I guess. But it's a question of finding finding the viewership then and now. Yeah. Distribu- the distribution model. We just said this feeds the con- feed, yep. feeds feeds the narrative. There's always going to be a market for horror movies. Is there always going to be money in horror movies? The movie I just told you about that I started working on uh-huh. was distributed in motion picture theaters. It ran for weeks. Go figure. And we also, I know, because I hung around the editing room because I, I was out of work and it was my idea of a good time. We made prints for drive-in movie theaters. Really? You betcha. Wow. Now, where are, I'm, you know, full disclosure. I wish even, there were still drive-ins. I've never, I've never even been to a drive-in movie what? theater. What? I know, I know. I'm a city boy, so we, I knew they were out there somewhere. But I, I mean, I honestly, they were gone by the time I was... Like hit middle school, but the point is, there were people that were making movies specifically. I knew, yeah, I knew some of them when I was working as an assistant editor. They were dying out, but these are people that were in that business. They were in the business of supplying content for drive-in movies, and it was a yeah. certain kind of content. Okay, it's what they used to call. I, I was going to say B movies, but I don't think the alphabet is actually long enough to, <laughs> to, to categorize where, where they fell. But and now people are making content. That is absolutely positively for a particular way of delivery. Yeah. And I think it behooves filmmakers and distributors to figure out a way to make that work for them. Yeah. It doesn't cost anything for a distributor. I, I'm, I'm saying this out of perfect ignorance. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it costs Apple to put something 
on their download to make it available for download. It well, probably, they would argue it's the cost of the peop, their people who... No, I, I, I mean, their costs, and definitely. Good for, and and good for them, they will ar- always argue that. Well, good for them. But the, we're, talking about a, we're talking about a pay chain yeah. here. No, so, I get it. You know. And I, I think that that's where it's going to ultimately be going. Because, Well, let me ask you this. Mm. Are people going to continue to go out to the theater in... I mean, when is will that continue? Yes. Well, okay. The theater experience will continue, but the, the, it, it, it's happened. I was, I would, I'd like to claim uh, prescience here, but it's happening this week, literally in our mm-hmm. business, and I forget exactly where. But there are movies that are being released at the same time now. Okay. Oh, uh, you mean released on released, streaming? Re- released and, on streaming and yeah. released for home home consumption by whatever means, and in the theaters at the same time. Do you think time. that makes sense from a business perspective? I don't think there's any choice. Yeah. For for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's where your audience is. Yeah. Second of all, the how much I hate to say this if there's any, if there's any distributors listening, but how much people actually make from showing movies, how much there is, yeah, how much what the cut is after distributors, right? Who, who are you know, who need their cut too, and they deserve it, and they're not doing that great. And also, it obviates piracy. Boom, piracy. Yeah. Piracy is no longer an issue, or it reduces it anyway. Yeah, there's no way around the piracy thing. I mean, you can. I remember being in, and this goes back a ways. Uh, I I was in, I think Beijing, and I saw a film there in a bar <laughs> that had not been released in the U.S. yet theatrically. It was about to be released, like within a couple weeks or something. Well, there you go. Uh, there's no there's no way to get around the piracy thing. Well, so. yeah, that genie's out of the bottle. And I think some smart people in our business have figured out, you know what, we're not going to fight that. Yeah. Instead, we're going to use it to build our audience. I don't know why particularly. Mm. I think Game of Thrones has done that, haven't they? Haven't they just decided not to? I, I don't know. This is more. This, in terms of fighting piracy? Uh, yeah, I, I, I read someplace, and this is out of perfect ignorance again, that um, that is the most pirated content. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. yeah. And apparently the producers are like, I don't know what HBO is saying about it, but the producers are pretty sanguine about it. That's yeah. another thing, Sarah. Not only is theater is like antique yeah. although it's still an event. Um, so what about cable? What about cable? What about Cable's going to die a is dying uh, a slow death. People and- are, people are saying that, and I'm I, I I'm absolutely sure it's going to happen. And I was talking to a, a technician friend of mine, a technician, he's a really smart cat, and he said, you know what, five G is going to destroy cable. I, I'm talking about cutting the cord myself, and I you know because frankly I resent a lot of it. And yeah, a lot, a lot of it has got to do with. Me paying for stuff I'll never watch. For example, I know you are. I'm not. Let's make you a bad person. I love you. Were you going to say The Walking Dead? I love The Walking oh. Dead. I'm, 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 what were you going to bring complete up? Complete Walking Dead tweet. Oh. Complete. Okay. Sports. I'm just not a sports guy. Oh, right. You're not. That's I'm right. just not a sports yeah. guy. So, and I called my cable channel and I said, you know, I'm paying for like Brazilian. You know, yeah, and I don't want it. Brazilian yeah. clam throwing or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> whatever it is. And he said, well. That's <laughs> popular sport. Well. You know, all over Brazil. And, 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 clam throwing. And, 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 the, and the, you know, the guy said, we, we have to pay it. It's an agreement we have. Yeah, with yeah. People, blah, blah, blah. Then I started watching some sports and there are some obscure sports. that are I, There are. It's so true. Well, yeah. Well, you know, if you're, if I'm homesick with a cold or something, I will, wa- I will watch the clam. <laughs> the, clam or you, the opposite of pole vaulting would be like. Throwing, a lot. The, throwing the pole into the crowd. I have no idea. I, so. Well, the thing, I mean, he's right, because the thing about that the only reason 
cable's not gone now yeah. is because no one has the bandwidth to really That's take to because but once we do it's over i mean i've like everybody's looked into view or whatever sony view or the other ones sling mm. tv but you can't really watch it the way i mean people have cut the cord apple tv but unless you have no consumer has the bandwidth to really watch that's true it the yeah. way you watch cable and satellite but that's going to change so you're saying it's all it's about might, the, i think it's a ways away it's though. all it's all it's all about delivery it's it all, is all about it, delivery well yeah and it's all it's also in, you know many communities you only have one high-speed provider that's true. And that's, yeah, I so. mean, in the U.S. is really behind in, in, in some ways in terms of saturation of even Internet versus even Europe. I just like, had that experience of, of literally being. Oh, yeah, because you were in Sweden. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. You went, what did you go over there for? Uh, it was, I got contacted early, early last year by um, a Swedish school. It's not exactly a film school. It's actually an inter- interesting institution to ask whether I would teach a screenwriting class to their students. Um, like a, a workshop a intensive? Workshop. Well, yeah, because it was a video class. And they wanted me to go on video live, which is uh-huh. like, 19, I don't know, they were 19 hours ahead on another day. Yeah. And, and it's like, 19, <laughs> like no. and it's 1978 there, who knows? But, and I did that and it went real well. And uh, then they asked me to come over and teach in that school for a week. Oh, wow. And that was an experience. That was quite an experience because. Uh, what were those students like in terms of versus? And I don't want to do a us versus them thing, but I'm just curious. Like, what was your experience with Swedish students versus? Uh, for, for, the Swedes are really after a week of exposure to this elaborate, yeah. elaborate and ancient culture, you know. But there were, I think, nine people in that class, and all of them were intensely present. Mm. and intensely wanted to be there. Having said that, the school is constructed to keep them that way. I mean, yeah. it's way the hell out on Gotland, an old army base. Literally. Right, right. Uh, there's nothing to do there except get on a ferry, go across to another island and look at Ingmar Bergman's grave. <laughs> yeah, to, which she had pictures yeah, of, I remember. <laughs> that was a swingingest thing on that island. <laughs> um, and they live there. Mm. And they really want to be there. They really appreciated... The fact that I could illustrate a point, and they have much huh. more. Much what more do you mean? Because I can illustrate a point by saying, "This is what I mean," and hitting YouTube or hitting one of the sources that ah, I have, and okay. saying, and th- by by doing this, so you show a scene from a movie, a movie that they've seen, and you could analyze it in the moment, right? And they were really, 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 really present. The difference, I think, between if I had to cap- encapsulate between their students and mine, is I am not much as I'd like to be, mm-hmm. and I, I'd like to be a pleasant professor people like yeah. whatever <laughs> I'm not there to entertain them and the purpose of this exercise is not entertainment mm-hmm. it just isn't you know you're, you're, you're in my profession now you right. know, put your helmet on because yeah. you know it's going to get bumpy or fasten your seatbelt fasten your seatbelt so you know if, if you're here to be entertained you might want to think about you know something else on the other hand the good ones don't need entertaining, and all the Swedish people didn't need entertaining either. They just were 100% present, mm. and they were entertained, too. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting thing about my students is a lot of them think it's fun and games, and occasionally i got to take somebody aside and say, you know what? Your work's two, years, two weeks late. I'm an easy A. You want to fuck with me? Yeah. Seriously? Well, is don't that, you think it, that's kind of American, though? Yeah. I mean, I noticed that just when you go abroad, you realize they're, you know... 
education in some ways they have more of a and immigrants tend to have more of an appreciation for education well, when, so, so do my grandparents my grandparents yeah. are, so my mom strictly speak if you count Canada um, we can count Canada I guess most people don't. <laughs> Most Canadians at this point would say, I'm sorry. You don't they would apologize. But um, I speak as a new Canadian, as you know. But um, I, I, I think it's true. Also, the, the students in Sweden, uh, they, were, they were being paid. What do you mean they were being paid? The school was free and they were being paid. I'm not making... Uh, Wait, they were being paid to be uh, most, at uh, school? They were actually what? Being paid. They were being paid. Uh, I, I'm sure it wasn't a... It didn't cost them anything, and they was uh, there's some kind of a stipend, I think. See, now I don't understand that because I feel like if you're paying, you should you'd be much more interested, and in, like this, I got to take this seriously versus if you're being paid. I don't know. Huh? I, uh, I, I I don't. I found that most of the, the the students in Sweden. I gave them my opening speeches. I like. I always say I like people who run away with the circus, and they have no idea what I'm talking <laughs> about. Because one of them said to me later. The cir- people are there still circuses? <laughs> I, I, no. They really did run away with the circus. Those people. They really want to be in this business. And there's also uh. there was kind of a mechanism for them to to get a shot at it. Yeah, there, there, there really is a, a mechanism. And uh, unfortunately, it has to do with meaning that, the Swedish film industry yeah, has got stuff the, going the Swedish, on. The, the Swedish film industry has got its problems. I mean. There's a lot of content coming out, and there's a Is lot that, of actors from Sweden that are doing A lot well. of great content, yeah. and, and it's all government-financed. Um, I was talking to one of, my, uh, one of my colleagues over there, and he was talking about movies he wants to make. And, you know, he's t- telling me this story he wants to tell, and it's a real interesting story. He said, but, the, you know, the Swedish film people won't get behind it. I said, why? He mm. said, they think it's a teenage movie. I said, because it's about teenagers? Oh. Really? So you're telling me if you made, I don't know... To Kill a Mockingbird because it's about a little girl would be a little girl movie yeah. to those people. And he said, or yeah. Or Stand By Me. Yeah. And, Which it's not. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Swedish film history is interesting, but it's another thing altogether. They made a conscious decision at one point culturally, it seems to me. I'm not, I didn't make this up. I'm, you know, That they would make a sort of a turn from popular culture to a sort of... Con- Quality. In fact, uh, one of the students okay. actually, one of the students, very serious young man, very Jonathan, very serious guy. I was talking about Joseph Campbell for some reason because um, any talk about screenplay structure will come up. Joseph Campbell will come up, you know? mm-hmm. and that's good, you know. But he was saying, "Well, Campbell is God because I'm in the quality business." Wow! Uh, I just want to make quality films. Uh, By the end of it, he was like, you know, getting ready to write a western. <laughs> you know, I mean, literally, but westerns are quality. I think westerns changed. My, I'm a western guy. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, you grew up when westerns were having a heyday too. They were having the, they were having the second hey hey day. Okay. They were having a hey 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 day. Hey 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 day. <laughs> hey, day. <laughs> see what they this horses so they had hey. <laughs> uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance changed my life. All right. And, well, and that leads me to because I, I I've t- taken a lot of your time up, so we should wrap it up. But mm. you have such immense knowledge yeah, of the industry. You no, know, you do the mm. history of it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end on this question. Mm. What, in your opinion, given that you said we have yet to see what's next coming, mm. you know, what was the greatest period of Hollywood? I can only answer that personally. Okay, answer it personally. Um, uh, this is not dead air. This is actually me thinking. I should have a TikTok sound. Tick For tock, me personally, everyone says the greatest American was made in 1939. Okay, whatever. For me, 
it was the late 1920s to the end of the 1940s. That's a long time. Let me focus it some more. It was the late 1920s to the end of Warner Brothers crime movie period. Ah, so it's okay. like there's, there's this moment in, in – um, don't freak out on me. Uh, don't freak out on me, audience. There's, <laughs> a, there's a moment in silence. And it, mm. it really is a, f- a moment. I'm going to contradict myself in a second, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's a moment in silence where films got s- so sophisticated – they're almost beyond us now. I mean, it's hmm. structurally and visually. And then sound happened. What happened happened. And then that populist stuff in, in, in the, especially the Warner Brothers is my life, in the early 1930s when a certain kind of ethnic American entered the, the culture mm-hmm. in a broad way, like Paul Muni and, and mm. G. Robinson and all those guys. That, that, was, that was a big deal. To take it to the street. Now that started with uh, hmm. Musketeers. M- Musketeers of what was it called? The Musketeers of Hood Alley, whatever it's called. It was uh-huh. a gangster movie from 1916 or 17. But for me, that for me, that's that, that's the most important era. Uh, Having said that, let me contradict myself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Lately, my researches, as they say in the business, I mean the academic business, have really focused on a particular studio in a particular place in a particular time at the very dawn of what we call movies, mm. and I just think it's awesome mm. that there were just these knuckleheads <laughs> who built a fat who built a movie studio yeah and that's what the book's about is uh this movie studio that unfortunately got torn down the week after the week the week before i presented the paper on the subject wait which book is this uh, the one i'm gonna i think i'm, I'm thinking if i if i was gonna write a book that's that's what it would be about but when i, I presented a paper at a at a uh, conference last year about the history of Vitagraph Studios, which oh. was a bunch of buildings in Brooklyn. It's probably why I'm in the business because the Vitagraph smokestack uh-huh. was there. And it was about whether the factory had anything to do with how movies are made. Oh, and I my, love that. And my argument was yes, the physical plant affected content. So I did all this. I'm, I, I don't mean to take up your time, but I, I'm excited about this. I did all this research. Uh-huh. And I did this little PowerPoint because life is PowerPoints. Right. And this is the studio as it stood in 1906. This is how it stood in 1920, 1950 when they were making television there. Mm. Here is Hullabaloo is being shot there and Get Smart, whatever. And here it is two days ago. And it's a pile of rubble. Wow. So that was pretty cool. And those films, what's left of them, are kind of amazing to me at the moment. So if the factory impacted how films were made, Mm. today... What is it that... It's, the factory is still there as an element of narrative, I think. And at the moment, I don't... Delivery is king. Deli- okay. del- delivery is all about content. There is no way that a lot of content would be made at all if it wasn't on your TV. Never Mr. Studio Executive... Excuse me, Mr. TV Executive. Mm. Not at 9 o'clock on Thursday. Mm. But whenever the hell we damn please. Right. Because you're not in charge of that. Well, on that note, I'm going to say thank you very much, Warren it's Lewis, for being be here. here. I, you've just raised the level of intellect of people's stomach <laughs> digestion <laughs> on our network so. so much, and we appreciate it.
You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. I have to stop talking now? Okay. Well, come back again, though, okay. please. Okay, uh, will you? We'll just turn this all off, and I'll just keep talking. All, for right. A couple of all right. That's it for us, Thanks, folks. Guys. And as always, you can go to the HMCnetwork.com for more interviews, podcasts, movie reviews, game reviews, and weekly recaps of your favorite shows. Thanks. I met you uh, about two weeks ago at...